Google taking aim at Amazon again. Amazon, big deal right now. Big Bezos. deal right now. Yes. He's big time now. Big Bezos. That's in my contact list. That's how I have him labeled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That got you more than I expected right there. Big boy Bezos? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, we covered him here on this show a lot. He obviously keeps adding to that bottom line, to that net worth. Uh, Amazon, the juggernaut, nothing can slow them down. In fact, everything that's happening in the world appears to be uh, enhancing their outlook. Although, look at that. I mean, the five-day, they're, they're smoothing out a little bit on the five-day numbers. But, of course, if you look at that one year, that's the key. Give, give us that one year. You see what's happening. Yeah. That's it's a, a little blip. There's a few blips, but it's the progression is heading in one direction, and that direction is up. And the, the key part here is with the with the way that the world is now, these new habits that people have, uh, they're gonna stick. It's hard to imagine being comfy going about your day in the old in the old way. You know, we talked about this off camera how much time it takes to build, to do or undo a habit. And people have built these new habits now of, well, ordering as much as you can to lower your impact or your exposure to other humans. And we've been doing it for a while now, mm -hmm. maybe four months or, I mean, depending on where you are in the world, however long you've been doing it. And it turns out Amazon became an essential piece in, in survival for certain goods and Food in some places, and I ordered a few snacks off there last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, you I did. Get? I ordered uh, a thing I wanted to try, which was the Reese. You know how you can get Reese's Pieces? Yes. Okay, so Reese's Pieces are a candy shell with a peanut butter interior, the typical Reese filling. But then they came out with the new one, which puts a peanut on the inside to go, like on the inside of the filling. So the candy shell, it's a lot going on. Peanut, Reese's Pieces peanut, right over there. No, go over one more. And then I saw the Reese, the Reese sauce. And I, oh boy! I, I didn't know you that got thing. You a few of these, did you? I didn't know that thing existed. But anyway, you can get anything on Amazon, and Google really sees an opportunity for themselves because a lot of people's uh, behavior when it comes to purchasing things actually can start on Google in some cases. Yes. And they're, uh, to a certain extent, they're missing out and they're also ceding a tremendous amount of real estate to Amazon saying, all right, you get to have the, the buying and selling stuff. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, you're allowing them to also advance in other areas where you, you may currently be competitive where a person goes online where there's where their stuff like this is this is why amazon gets into the assistant stuff and gets into some of their own products that's why amazon has gotten to the content business because where you hold a person online where they do all their business where they transact where all their data lives it's it's powerful stuff yeah you know um i was on tiktok yesterday and there seems to be a big trend recently with uh people making videos of like what they got from amazon mm. and it's kind of like these useful little things and then they try it out and then that's the end of the clip that's it yeah and man like this trend is like every other video like, oh wow that i'm swiping yeah they got you pegged they know you like it and feed you a few more of it because you watch a bunch who knows how to yeah. figure that out with the trending stuff but and it's weird because it's it's straight up Amazon. It's no other store. You think, are you, is this a, some sort of... Is it, are you going conspiracy here? Are you saying there's an embedded no. kind of, or is it marketing or... Willie do, ladies and gentlemen. Always bringing stuff to our attention. We don't know. It's complicated out there. But everybody wants to get their hooks into you. That's for certain. Whether it's Amazon, whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Insta. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Apple. Apple wants to get their hooks in. Well, anyway... Google has attempted many times in the past to get a, a little bit of this shopping piece to do some of what Amazon does. And I'm going to be honest with you, Will. There's not a lot of companies 
that have the scale and the expertise and the potential to really disrupt what Amazon's doing. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of uh, competition, to be clear, to be fair. Uh, I know in other markets, there's more competition. In India, I know you got the flip cart. Yes. You get some competition. I think Walmart bought a piece or do I have that? I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Ali, Alibaba? Oh, Alibaba. Ali I don't know. Yeah. But, but it's really, it's Walmart who should have been yes. the company that moved online with a, a better better services and shipping and things faster because they had the physical footprint. They should have been taking all that revenue and figuring out. I, and I'm not, I'm, they have. I'm sure they have, but it just doesn't appear to be that player because Amazon's a tech company. Mm. And it's going to take another tech company, I think, to really displace them. And anyway, Google wants to take a shot at it again. And they, they have given up a couple different times on, on a couple different projects with that particular aim. And they've had different names for those projects. They launched shopping projects in 2013, 14, 17, and 19. That's crazy. But what they're going to do now, this uh, recent announcement, they want to get more sellers onto their platform. So they're going to make it cheaper. They're going to waive sales commissions. And they're going to let you use popular third-party payment uh, and order management sites like, uh, like Shopify. Mm. Now, Shopify is actually the platform that we use for later case. And it's incredible. It's yes, an incredible platform. And, and so... I was amazed when we started populating the site with the products and the level of analytics. It's like YouTube for products. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And so I, I was sitting there looking at the Shopify stuff, thinking how hard it would be to go towards Amazon with the product to find an equivalent situation. Plus, the commissions that Amazon takes, you'd be sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe I'm better off on the indie side. But now the problem becomes discovery. Well, it's not such a problem for us because I can come on here and say, go buy a later case, go use a later case. It's the greatest, it's the only case you need in your life. You see, I can say that, and now you have discovery. But if you're an upstart company, Amazon offers a tremendous opportunity to be in front of people that are looking for products. And they even offer advertising if you want to go out of your way to try to find it. And then they got the baked in payment structure. It's, you might give them the 30% or whatever it is they're asking for mm -hmm. just because of the convenience and the opportunity to even start your business. Well, Google's saying we're going to waive that fee temporarily or presumably temporarily to get people on our shopping platform. So it all started back in 2013, a shopping service called Google Shopping Express. The new thing is going to have a different name, just Google Shopping, and that's the that's a look right there. I think they can do something here. Yeah, I feel there's an opportunity for another player. Now I, I know it's going to be hard for me mentally to go somewhere other than Amazon because I'm so used to it at this point. But there are sometimes I can't find a thing on Amazon, and if I go over to Google or there's no stock on Amazon, if I go over to Google Shopping and the thing is there and it's got the list of retailers, and everything's taken care of, and it's fast shipping, and I could maybe build in a new habit. Google could be that brand. They could maybe do it, displace. I don't know. Maybe I'm being optimistic on their behalf. Well, they have money. Oh, right. Yeah, that thing, you know. That thing. That's a big deal, isn't it? It's a money. Back a backbone to back them up. You know what else they got, Will? You know another thing they got? You know what money gets you? Money gets you engineers. Oh, yeah. Money lets you buy talent. Right. And money might even let you recruit somebody who is over there at Amazon. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, you have a technical difficulty over there? No, 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 no. You're all good. That's wonderful. Lenovo has launched its first Legion gaming phone featuring a Snapdragon 865 Plus. 90-watt charging and a side pop-up camera. Now, what was it, yesterday? No, this morning. We published a video on what I claim to be the world's most powerful smartphone. Hmm. That was the ROG Phone 3. Yes. And it was also featuring this 865-plus chip inside of it, which is the first chip, by the way, to crack mobile chip smartphone chip to crack the three gigahertz barrier and everybody got all hyped about it. i'm playing games 
I'm killing guys in the games. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Even me. I got the air triggers going. Look at you. Look at me. Well, Lenovo's not going to let that happen. They say, you think you're going to make a gaming phone? We're going to make a gaming phone. Yeah. And we're going to challenge you for that top spot of most powerful smartphone. So they do things a little bit differently. The battery is not going to be quite as big, but it's going to charge faster. So you got 90 watt charging, which is a beast. So that means two separate battery modules. Uh, that's going to give you a total of 5,000 milliamp hours, which is compared, of course, to the the choice for the slower charging 6,000 milliamp hours on the ROG Phone 3. You see the difference there? Because I was reading about the battery capacity on that ROG Phone 3, and they were saying, look, the phone's going to get crazy fat if we want to have both super fast charging like a 90 watt fast charging and 6000 milliamp so they went for the extra in that area i don't know what people are going to prefer 90 watt fast charging kind of gets me kind of gets me go gets your juices i mean it just yeah know about you (laughs) some other specifications on this thing oh yeah you're also going to get 16 gigs of ram if you want it surprise surprise Oh, yeah, you're going to get 512 gigs of storage if you want it. Surprise, surprise. 2340 by 1080 display. How about that 144 hertz refresh rate, which is now just, yeah, you're going to get it if you're getting a gaming phone now. It's some wild stuff in 2020. A couple of other differences here, maybe the the key difference here, because it will have the air triggers as well, is this side pop-up camera. Scroll down to the next image there. Look at that. Are you kidding me right now? And of course, you know the reason for this, Will. Hmm. It's because the future game streamers are going to be on mobile. And you're playing the game in the landscape orientation, but you need the camera as well oh. to run your Twitch Twitch stream on mobile. Hmm. What a time to be alive. That's actually pretty smart. It's kind of cool. So actually, there's one more image, if you back out of this one, which shows you with a game open how that's going to look. That's kind of a nice touch. Oh, yeah. Now, you're also going to get two front-facing stereo speakers, again, much like the ROG Phone 3. So it's obvious these two things are going to go head-to-head. It looks to me like the touch sampling rate is going to be ever so slightly slower on this one. 240 hertz, still plenty. So now we have a a real challenge. Maybe I'll get my hands on this. Maybe Willie Do sends an email. I don't know. Maybe Lenovo hits us up, and we do the comparison. But this area of the market appears to be heating up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't get too hot, though. No. You can't be dropping those frames. No. Hackers obtained Twitter DMs for 36 high-profile account holders during the mega hack, the 130-user hack, which we talked about. That stuff, it shook me to the core. Yeah. I had to reevaluate, reexamine what's going on in the world, the things that we trust, the things that we don't. Just examine the landscape of the internet in 2020. It forced you to think about things. Don't believe what you read. Don't be sending Bitcoin out there when you don't. Don't. If you're skeptical, uh, there's probably a reason for it. Be skeptical. It's okay. This is the internet. Were you nervous at all? Like for my account? Mm-hmm. By the time I was catching up to the news, it was already in the stage that all of the verified accounts were locked down yeah so, so you couldn't tweet i couldn't tweet so i figured they had it under control so i wasn't that nervous oh, okay uh however i mean what are they gonna get from me i don't know the, you know what's interesting here is everyone started to think about the dms and everyone started to think about uh blackmail potential for black blackmail but then there was the counter uh, argument which was twitter dms are not encrypted are these powerful people really going to be talking about the high profile, the, the key stuff in their DMs? Yeah. Maybe Who knows? they could find something incriminating. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe in their personal life, they just were using the DMs. They got, I don't, I don't know. It's quite possible. But it turns out of all the 130 accounts, for some reason, only 36 high profile accounts of the bunch had their DMs accessed, which I didn't even think was possible because it it looked to me, or at least what they shared was that it was this dashboard. And then we had the, the, the piece of the report as well that they didn't even recommend or require people to change their passwords. So the passwords weren't exposed. 
That was from Twitter's own support account where they were sharing the details. But I guess the dashboard, along with the ability to tweet things out, must have had certain access to the DMs. Mm. Or at least there was enough power within those dashboards to somehow provide an avenue for these individuals to get into the DMs because that's what they're saying now. Hackers accessed direct messages for 36 high-profile account holders in last week's epic compromise of Twitter, with one of the affected users being an elected official from the Netherlands. The social media company said this late Wednesday. The company also said that intruders were able to view email addresses, phone numbers, and other personal information for all 130 hijacked accounts. So I don't know. Maybe they're telling people to change passwords now because that sounds like a lot of stuff that they got their hands on. Phone numbers? Could be a nightmare deadly you can do a lot with those phone numbers you heard of all those scams they call up the telco claim to be someone expose more personal information and the, and everything else that the chaos ensues uh so just to remind you about this takeover it affected all kinds of big names it was a bit bitcoin scam uh, joe biden was in there you had bill gates you had elon musk you had kanye west all those accounts compromised turned into bitcoin scams looking to uh, accumulate bitcoin inside of a handful i think it was three total wallets they didn't it was like a hundred grand maybe 130 grand somewhere around there that was actually accumulated in usd but the implications here far bigger far bigger than that that money that was exchanged in previous updates over the past week twitter has provided additional details including hackers likely tried to sell access to the hijacked twitter accounts with highly coveted usernames. We talked about this. I think it was the I think it was also Ars Technica or was it TechCrunch that was where we were discovering that in the early stages of the hack whatever the exploit was, the initial phase was trying to sell the at uh, handles, addresses for some coveted names that were kind of underutilized. Right. And that was happening uh, inside of certain hacker communities or certain yeah. uh, forums. They were going for like the one letter. Yeah, handles. well, the example here is at the number six. Yes. Was one of the accounts. Up to eight of the compromised accounts had information taken through Twitter's Your Twitter Data tool. None of those accounts were verified. Attackers tweeted from 45 verified accounts, which included, yeah, Jeff Bezos, Barack Obama, Apple's official account, and they don't even tweet. That was a huge one. The company is now working with the FBI to figure out exactly what the heck was going on, as you would. And I don't know if it's optional. I feel like the FBI is there. They, they, see, they see some of those names. Yeah. They make a move. They hop on a plane. I don't know what they do. But they see some of those names. And they realize the potential impact. And they got to figure it out. Twitter says advertisers stopped spending money in reaction to protests. So... Not just the big hack coming at Twitter, but also the advertising revenue, which is that's how they primarily make money. But there's a, I mean, anyone who's been on Twitter has noticed it's been a little bit grim for a while now. Uh, many For many reasons. You went straight from virus stuff to protest, uh, protest stuff to the violence that predicated the protest. I mean... It's not the most advertiser-friendly content. It should be pretty obvious here that if you're a big-name advertiser, I don't know who you are, you're Coca-Cola, you're Procter & Gamble, you're General Electric, you're Ford Motor Company, whoever you are, you don't necessarily want to be alongside that stuff. So here we have some actual evidence coming from Twitter. And, of course, we, we, um, uh, we're here on YouTube. YouTube also is an ad-driven platform. So the same similar thing's gonna map accordingly. And you had the Facebook boycott that many advertisers were a part of. Twitter's kind of saying the same thing thing here. Twitter's advertising revenue was hit hard by the pandemic. And then the company says that the US civil unrest in May and June made matters worse. Advertising revenue declined 15% year over year in the final three weeks of June. Brands slowed or paused their spending entirely. Prior to this, we had, as I mentioned, the Facebook thing. Uh, where companies like Coca-Cola did a complete pause button. Sony, we talked about with the PlayStation marketing. They said, we're going to go off Facebook completely. So it's kind of, it's a little sensitive right now. Mm -hmm. And if any uh, <laughs> if any content creators want to make a few bucks, we got, uh, they got to start uh, looking at the brighter side in terms of stories. 
It turns out there's a reason, well, why those news channels like CNN, it's all pharmaceutical ads when you log on there because it's a pretty, it's kind, it can be a grim thing at times. It could be a grim thing at times. And I'm not telling people what to talk about. You got to talk about the issues. You got to talk about what matters to you, obviously. But you can't expect everybody to want to advertise on it either because it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So that's just being realistic about the situation. Uh, anyways, Twitter lost a few bucks. They actually gained some users, though. So that's an interesting one. You lose the money. But all of a sudden, the heat that's going on over there, people start to pay attention. The company grew to 186 million daily users, up from 166 million in the prior quarter. So maybe when things cool off, they'll sell you a little bit more Coca-Cola. There you go. <laughs> I'll tell you something that's not cooling off. The U.S.-China relationship, absolutely not cooling off. FBI believes Chinese researcher with links to Beijing's military is hiding in a consulate in San Francisco. So they shut down a consulate yesterday's episode they, they in Houston give them 72 hours to shut it down. Meanwhile, you're watching videos on the giant tortoises <laughs> returning from the Galapagos Islands. Auto play. Right. <laughs> you see, I'd advertise on some content like that. That's some top tier content. Any tortoise related related content. Yeah. Ever since I was a Ninja Turtles fan as a kid, you understand. Yeah. Tortoise, turtles, not the mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, so they shut down to give this short notice, shut down a consulate in Houston. Don't really say why, other than the fact that it's something they. Uh, seem to indicate it's some kind of a spy cell unit yeah. going on. Now they just straight up say, hey, there's a there's somebody hiding in the San Francisco consulate. What, are they going to go knock down all these consulates one at a time? The FBI believes that a Chinese scientist with links to Beijing's military is hiding out in China's consulate in San Francisco in order to evade arrest after she was accused of visa fraud, according to filings in the U.S. District Court in San Francisco. Uh, according to the court filings, Tang Juan, a biology researcher at the University of California, Davis, was questioned by the FBI on June 20th and charged with visa fraud. Six days later, investigators alleged she falsely claimed on her visa application that she had not served in the Chinese military. However, photos of her in a Chinese military uniform were discovered and is later, later ascertained that she had worked as a, as a researcher at China's Air Force Military Medical University. So... This is, it honestly is starting to truly smell like the uh, U.S.-Russia Cold War of past. Espionage, spies, hacking. hacking. Uh, it's, like a new, it's like a new age version of it. Yeah. Back then, it was all about nuclear prol proliferation. Who had what? Finding out what the plans were. Geopolitical... Cuban Missile Crisis. It was much more weapons and military-based. You're right. There's a technological component to it now that's fresh. Mm. But the behavior is kind of similar, where it's heavy skepticism. China comes out and says there's going to be retaliation for the Houston consulate uh, shutdown. But now, of course, you have this as well. And you have the UK jumping on board with the... Huawei shut down in the 5G networks, and then China has to say we're going to retaliate there also. And it's hard not to see the similarity similarities here on the political end of the spectrum. You have the high-profile individuals in the U.S. You had uh, Rubio, and who was the other guy with the TikTok stuff? Pompeo. Okay. And they're all saying some, some pretty heavy, heated stuff. Uh, related to China, and now you're chasing you're chasing spies around. Yeah. So we either have a, a, a brand new, fresh type of Cold War, or we have a wild goose chase. We have one or the other, but either way, we have something going on. Uh, maybe the Apple iPhone 12 battery situation isn't as bad as it originally sounded. Um, uh, there's some new information here. Another battery emerged that is rumored to be for the upcoming iPhone 12 Pro non-max model. And the original speculation was that that model was going to have the uh, 2,775. Is that right? Yeah, 2,775 milliamp hour battery in it. But then this new battery shows up as it would at one of these certification facilities. I believe this was once again in Korea. 
with a slightly higher count, 2,815, so 2,815 milliamp hours, a tiny improvement over the original rumor. Uh, no, nothing major, but for those that were worried, I, you got yourself a couple more <laughs> milliamps. It's important to note, this is still a downgrade from the previous version. I did mention, though, that likely this new chip that's going into these uh, 12 iPhone 12 devices, whether it's Pro or not, uh, should be a little bit more efficient, which could compensate. But it's just, when it comes to the tech user base, particularly the tech enthusiasts, there seems to be no substitute for just raw battery, mm. big battery count. People uh, love it. And, of course, we're just talking about those gaming phones, 5,000, 6,000 milliamp hours. You look at these numbers and it's hard to be impressed, especially coming off of the previous Max models, which were some of the best battery performance compared to other flagships through the various optimizations that Apple's capable of doing and the fact that they just had big numbers to begin with, bigger numbers than what we're going to have in the next generation. But this new news is, I guess, good anyway. Hmm. At least it's not the 2775 in the Pro model. It's hardly a Pro number. Yes. Halo Infinite campaign gameplay premiere. We were trying to watch the stream. You were on some kind of weird stream that was lagging with some commentary. You were getting upset. People in the chat were getting upset. Then you found the real stream. And then we just went straight to the trailer. Yeah. Because the trailer for Halo Infinite uploaded in 4K, 60 frames. Mm. Oh, battle. That's right up your alley, Will. Yeah. That's a lot of data. That's a bit rate right there. And <laughs> heavy, heavy data rate. I watched this trailer. Or it's not a trailer. It's an eight-minute demo. It's real gameplay. And it, and I had the nostalgia going on. It takes you back, eh? The, the, yeah. uh, I was a big Halo guy at one, you know, one point in time with the original Xbox and the giant controller. You remember the first one? It was huge. Yeah. And... Not, not a lot of my friends had it at that moment. Mm. And so we would have people come over just to experience Halo. That's how monumental it was of a title. Yeah. I had people call me up, kind of those fringe friends that like, you know, they're sort of your friends, but you got that Halo? Yeah. You mind the, I drop by? Yeah, I get my fix. That's kind of the way it was at a moment. Yeah. I remember uh, skipping class every so often just to get some extra Halo in. I remember this stuff as a youngster. Picture a young Lou. Multiplayer? Multiplayer. Sniper rifle, uh, Halo, Halo 2. I've even told the story about, maybe I haven't, maybe you don't recall this, but uh, I was into the modding scene a little bit, modding those early Xboxes. And so I put a mod chip onto uh, uh, an, an original Xbox, I had completely rebuilt into a PC chassis because I made a number of mods to it and, and also a mod chip. Microsoft not too happy with me talking about this, but it was a thing that people did back in those days. And I was able to download a copy of Halo, a French copy of Halo, prior to the release of it. Not Halo 1, Halo, Halo 2. 2. Yeah, you told me this story. Oh, I told you this story. Yeah. All right, so I apologize for going back into it. That's but. Okay. But people were out of their minds in the schoolyard at school. What do you mean you got Halo 2? I'm like, listen, it's in French. You can come over and try it out. It's in all the dialogues in French. It was a crazy time. Yeah. Young Lou, picture it. Crazy time. Anyway, we're back. We're bringing it all back around. This looks amazing. The, the, uh, the graphics, the sound effects, the lights, the shading, the action, the gunplay. It's all so familiar but it just looks sort of upgraded. Obviously, a big part of that new engine uh, 4K60. What doesn't look good in 4K60? Yeah. And I'm just pumped. This, As far as next-gen stuff goes, this was a moment for me on oh, the original yeah. Xbox. So now I have to get this. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. After the original Xbox, I sort of moved over to the PlayStation and stayed there. But as far as first-party titles go... This one is a banger, always was a banger. Look at the Warthog. I mean, that's not news. I feel that this is going to help Microsoft sell a couple of Xboxes. Uh -huh. Am I crazy? Well, this is their main title. It's a big title. Yeah. It's a big title. So anyway, the eight-minute demo, things are looking good. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's a good time to be a game fan.
fan of any games. There's a lot of stuff happening. And speaking of that, apparently, according to the CEO of Microsoft, he says Xbox Series X is going to be a big hit. He says it's going to be the largest launch lineup for any console ever. I don't know how he... How does he know this? He comes on the call. I don't know if it's an investor's call. Yeah, it was. It was an earnings call with investors. And he says, Xbox Series X will launch this fall with the largest launch lineup for any console ever. He just says that. That's what CEOs say, right? But that seems really specific. Like, the investors could say, yeah, that line wasn't the biggest ever. Here's another, like, how can he ensure that? What does he have planned? I'm sure he's hitting up all these indie game studios and being like, hey, be part of it. But how does he get the lineup, the physical lineup? Are people going to be ready to be physically close to each other in a lineup by November? Like now would be a weird time to say you're going to have the biggest lineup. Wait, is it game lineup? Oh, or he's talking actual... about game lineup. <laughs> I I thought that was the case. <laughs> you just saved my life. You just saved my life yeah, right there. Uh, I thought he like was talking pool. about an actual physical lineup. This is insane. <laughs> of course he's talking about the game lineup. Yeah. He can ensure that. He can know that. Well, can he know that, though? Could, does he know enough about Sony's plans that his lineup's going to be bigger than theirs? Who knows? He's got no. the inside. He's got the Maybe he's got his own spy at the Sony consulate. A saboteur. <laughs> They got their own Cold War going on. Yeah. Microsoft and Sony, of course you're right. They're going to have a big launch lineup because they have the ready for Xbox titles or the approved, whatever they're calling it, approved for Xbox titles with the old inventory and yes. the new inventory. And in their event today, they showed off a tremendous number of titles. So I can believe that. I don't know how he can know it for certain, but I can believe that and totally disregard everything that I said about an actual physical lineup. Because that's the way I read it. And I was thinking, <laughs> strange time. It shows you where your head is at, though. Yeah. My head is so modified by the current state of the planet that I saw virus in that title. Uh. I was thinking to myself, he shouldn't be promoting a big, giant lineup. People can't get together. Can't You see where how that's weird? How that impacted the way I read the headline? Oh, yeah. But in a way, physically, it would be a really long lineup because of the, what, six feet apart? Oh, <laughs> wow. I like this way. angle as well. You're yeah. right. If people do physically line up. I just remember when the virus stuff first started hitting, GameStop went ahead with a couple of their physical in-person events, and people were really mad about yeah. it. And around, uh, I think it was Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah. And so I just had that floating around in my brain. But you're right. Will there? It's an interesting question. Will they do physical events by November? Maybe things will be slightly better. And if they do do physical events for the launch of it, how are they going to manage that? How are they going to uh, move people around? Speaking of la the launch of new consoles, obviously uh, Sony has their own plans as well. I found this article about uh, how they're going to limit the early consoles because there could be some kind of supply shortage. There certainly has in the past that has driven the price of these things up on the secondary market i've been a beneficiary of that i was one of those hoarders as a 17 year old or whatever it was with previous generations i remember i sold my spot in line one time to a guy who had drove from far away to purchase this thing over the holidays i think it was the xbox 360 yeah. and he said i'll take that spot in line right now for a thousand dollars and i said well my spot i'm just waiting to buy the thing i actually wanted the thing yeah and it was too hard to say no to at the time i need that thousand bucks what are you crazy That'll pay for my system once yeah, I can yeah. get my hands on it. So I took it. Crazy time. left the line. I left the line. Mm. Actually, I'm going to tell the truth of the story. Can I tell the truth of the story? M myself, I had a spot in the line, but I also had my girlfriend with me. Uh. And she, she wanted to bounce anyways. So we sold the one spot. I still got the thing. I used uh. the money to fund the thing. Right on. That's a long time ago, man. It's hard to remember it exactly, but... Was she going to buy one too? Yeah, we were going to get two, resell the second then, one. Yeah. Or or sell, or sell just sell it for a friend, like hold it for a friend. Hmm. I can't remember the exact specifics of it, but that's the way it was. They come out, they give you a little number. It was the only way to ensure you were going to get one. It was before a lot of the online pre-sales and stuff like that. Back then, you had to physically show up if you wanted the thing. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, some news with the PS5 launch. They are apparently based some 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 uh, Reddit dudes found some code for an upcoming website where that seems to indicate that once the PS5 goes on sale, uh, it's going to have some limitations per household where it's only going to be one per household and you're going to have to select between the two. You can't buy like one of each, the digital version and the disc version. Hmm. It's just going to be a one-time deal. And you're also going to be able to buy it, I think for the very first time from Sony directly that there will be an actual oh, okay. PlayStation 5 site set up. You can just order it from them, pre-order it from them. Uh, I'm, I mean, obviously, it's going to be everywhere you would typically find it. It's going to be on your Amazon. It's going to be on your Best Buy. It's going to be in the places you would normally find it. But where in the past, Sony would rely on th those places exclusively, they're going to let you buy it from them directly, which is a shift. Mm. I mean, that's, again, according to the, some of this code that was uncovered. How do they know, like, per household? A shipping address. Shipping address. Yeah, shipping address, because shipping address is tied to your credit card as well. Mm. So unless you want to get a bunch of credit cards and alternative addresses set up, it, which would probably be too much of a hassle for you, buy multiple units. This will do two things. It'll ensure that they can better predict and sort of move the inventory around and make sure people get their hands on it. But also it'll avoid a lot of those resellers. Right, the guys right. like me that were in the line once Stock upon a time. Enough. I mean, I wasn't doing it at scale. If somebody could uh, figure out a script or a bot or whatever to yeah. order a bunch of these things to immediately then post them on eBay at a markup, yeah. it could totally wreck their thing. So they need some sort of a system for this to be clear. You've yeah. got to have something. We have a ton of Tesla news today, by the way. Uh, starting with Tesla committing to build their Cybertruck factory in Austin, Texas. We knew they were considering it. It came down to two cities. It was either going to be Austin, Texas or Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. And both of these municipalities, both of these towns, cities, uh, put, up, put out a tremendous package to try to encourage Tesla to come to their place, including this enormous statue here, yeah. which is hard to say no to in Tulsa. And... It just turns out that Austin won out. Austin, Texas won out in the end. And uh, according to Elon, it's gonna he's going to take care of the ecology of the region where they're gonna. This, this is a big operation. You put something like this, a gigafactory. Many jobs. Many jobs, but also there's a concern about the ecology, not the economy. Uh. Well, the economy often impacts the ecology of a particular region, but he says it's gonna be a paradise. He says it can take care of the the, the streams. They can take care of the wildlife. They can take care of the uh, for some of the forests that's around. They're buying a huge chunk of land over there. Uh, it's going to basically be an ecological paradise. Birds in the trees, butterflies, fish in the stream. Doesn't that sound like Elon right there? Mm. It's lovely. What else do you need, Will? When you need to catch a break, I'll tell you what you need. You need birds in the trees, butterflies, and fish in the stream. That's all you need. Sounds like a utopia. It's instant relaxation. You have those things. So obviously... Uh, He's going to go that direction if he can. Importantly, a big consideration and a big piece of the persuasion to, to, to where this place would end up being was the amount of the tax break that that region was willing to offer up. And it's going to turn out to be tens of millions of dollars oh. in tax breaks to come to Austin. And of course, as you mentioned, create a ton of jobs. And they'll be de uh, decently uh, paying jobs as well. They're going to hire 5,000 workers at an average of $47,147 with an entry position starting at $35,000. And, of course, the, the cool thing here is that these are not all positions that are going to require some type of degree, like a four-year type of degree. Right. There's also positions there for people, for a wide variety of people, which I, I would think would be a big deal for a community like this. Uh, it will invest at least $1 billion and is planning to make their factory between four and five million square feet. It's going to be an enormous facility. Now, what I like about this situation is that the uh, governor of Oklahoma, who put on the huge press to try to get Tesla over there, he's not bitter. He didn't come out and say, you made the wrong choice, Elon. His statement says uh, that even being a finalist has raised the state's profile. Over the past few months, Tulsans and Oklahomans as a whole showed the nation and the world that our state is worthy of being one of the two finalists. 
for an innovative cutting edge company like Tesla. I wish Elon Musk and, and Tesla all the best. In fact, I wish them so much success that they are forced to expand again because I know just the place. That's graciousness. That's how you do it, Will. It doesn't matter in life. That's a lesson right there. Uh, well done, Kevin Stitt, the governor of Oklahoma. That's how you behave. Yeah. You say, congrats on your new deal. Uh, well done to the competitor. Well done to Austin, Texas. We hope you do so well that you come over here next. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's gracious. Well, they were the runner-up, too. They so. were the runner-up. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, some people in the Twitter era, yeah. like we were talking about earlier, like it gets nasty and it's just there's a culture of uh you know snappiness and bitterness and that's class right there mm -hmm. i mean i don't know about this guy's behavior everywhere else oh. maybe he gets on twitter he's snapping at people in other circumstances but at least this statement right here that's the way you do it mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned tesla story number two tesla's secret project palladium resulting in potentially new model s new model x it's about time because, well, I mean, I realize the Model 3 was always going to be the popular unit, probably followed by the Model Y. And even the truck, who knows how popular that will be. A lot of other manufacturers moving away from the traditional sedans. But the S, it's like that flagship. Yes. And it's just the same thing. It's been the same thing for so long. I know people don't want to talk about it, but the sales figures for that model, they're down big time. Like they just don't move that many of those of those models anymore because it's dated and and the cost to performance ratio for the S or the X nowhere near the three. Like I really don't know why you buy an S right now. I understand if you want the maximum specification and you want a car that's that size, but really the three feels more futuristic. It performs almost as well. It's only a little bit smaller. So the S is a tough pitch right now. It's a tough sale. And it just needs to be updated. And it turns out it probably will be pretty soon here. Electrek has discovered a new Tesla secret project called Palladium. And it involves some important updates to the S and X. So apparently there's some speculation that the terminology Palladium has to do with the new battery technology, which could end up in these new vehicles. Palladium is this really uh, uh, fancy material, my friend. Palladium is one of the six platinum group metals, and the majority of the palladium mined around the world ends up in catalytic converters in car exhausts. So the code name could be that we're going to finally put a, the final a nail in the coffin of the combustion engine, which requires palladium for the catalytic converters and a lot of mining in order to get it. Or maybe they found a way to repurpose palladium in some of their new battery tech. We don't really know. There's some speculation around that, but the talk of these new models has been going on for a little while as Tesla's been playing around with prototypes for the Model S Plaid. That was the model they kept bringing to Germany to try to beat those track records that the Taycan was, was working on. Mm. And they say, okay, you want a race uh, style, even higher performing, you can scroll down to the image there. <clears throat> this the Plaid version, but the body style is essentially, it's pretty close to what they had. But it was, it was uh, no, no mystery that they were going to have to do some new Model S, some new Model X. And uh, there's, references, uh, there's references to a new, more than a new powertrain, even a new body style for both the X and, and S palladium body. So I would say now would probably not be the time to buy a Model S or X. But I think people already knew that. Those models are a little dated compared to the rest of the lineup at the moment. Mm -hmm. Of course, Elon is not just busy with Tesla. He's also got the boring company going on. And he shared an image on his Twitter recently of uh, what, what the new tunnel they've been working on in Las Vegas is going to or could look like. And it's a, it's a pretty stunning look as far as I'm concerned. It's an incredible image. Of course, I've been to Las Vegas specifically to get to the convention center for CES way too many times in my life, probably seven or eight times total. And it's always the biggest trouble. It's the biggest, it's the hardest part of the experience is finding a way to get to the convention center from the variety of uh, hotels that are on the strip there. And the traffic's crazy because it's a convention. is 100,000 people, whatever it is, trying to get back and forth. 
at the same times every day. And so they do have this kind of monorail vehicle above ground, which is a, a relatively recent piece that they added for transportation. But a lot of people still use taxis that pick you up at the front. They're a little easier to get to and all obviously accessible for all hotels, not just a handful. Well, this tunnel that the Boring Company's been working on has a... Uh, appears to be or the premise is that it'll be a solution to all these problems bringing people back and forth to the convention center from this variety of hotels and doing so in an efficient more futuristic manner and of course allowing elon to test some of his concepts around this tu these tunnel ideas because i mean <laughs> boring tunnels is difficult time consuming expensive stuff the two tunnels are desi designed to take 4,400 attendees per hour in one of two directions over a distance of nearly a mile. It's part of the Las Vegas Convention Center project to, to essentially solve the problem that I, I was suggesting earlier. That's a lot of attendees per hour. It's no problem anymore if it can really move that type of, that number of people. The work is part of a planned redevelopment of the center and the tunnels are expected to be ready for the annual Consumer Electronics Show early next year. Oh. So it's actually not taking that long either. They've made some serious progress over there in Vegas. I know Vegas desperately wants visitors to come back and they're going to need some some reason to do so. I feel like they could att attract the tech crowd just to report on the tunnel. Oh, yeah. We would get enough people out to check out the tunnel, never mind the convention center and whoever's at the convention center showing off whatever they're showing off. Yeah. It's going to be a big attraction. Uh... The vehicle, designed in combination with Tesla and revealed in a report last month that it's going to be inside the, uh, the facility here, the tunnel, is going to be a type of minibus that will move 12 people and luggage at once. It's not, going to, it's not going to look similar to the concept art that came out in 2017. That's all super futuristic glass and everything. Uh, they have to have people seated for the speed of travel because, you know, a big component with these tunnels is tremendous speed mm -hmm. that they want to travel at. So... Uh, pretty cool stuff, cool development. You're bringing up the original video, which got people going crazy over the boring company in general. This idea of uh, moving beneath the city traffic. Nobody wants to sit in traffic and everyone wants to travel 200 kilometers an hour, if possible, mm -hmm. as you're seeing right over here. That was the original bus, the, the promo. That That's not what it's going to look like, but maybe it'll be something close. I'm sure it's going to be somewhat futuristic. All right, last, last Tesla story. It's crazy. It's a lot of Tesla talk. Tesla is suing Rivian over allegedly stealing trade secrets through new hires. Now, Rivian, a company we've talked about a lot on this show, appear to be a front runner to actually put a dent in what Tesla's doing. They appear to have their stuff together. They have investment, tons of investment in the billions from some of the biggest players, including Amazon, Ford, they could be really disruptive to what Tesla has going on. And they appear to be disruptive in an actual day-to-day -day way by poaching a number of employees. I don't know if poaching is the correct terminology, but certainly a, a large number of employees have migrated from Tesla to Rivian. The question is whether or not it's illegal or, or, or whether or not Tesla is going to successfully sue these individuals and Rivian as a company for doing so because... Within an industry, it's a pretty tight industry right now. Yes. If you're an expert or you're working at an electric vehicle company and you're looking to go somewhere else, well, where do you, you know, it's okay. kind of tough, right? Unless you're going to go start your own thing completely. Looking for a robust job in this spectrum here, you end up at Rivian because they got the funds. They're the next big player in line. I mean, I guess you could end up at a traditional automaker, but you got to believe Rivian's looking for talent that knows how to exactly do that thing, build an electric vehicle company from the ground up. So anyway, I read through a little bit of this suit. It actually is kind of a bit more boring than you might want it to be. The defendants in question were actually working as recruiters for Tesla and apparently on their way out, they're accused, I don't know if they did or didn't, it's all going to come out in court, but they're accused of taking some of the proprietary recruitment forms and uh, strategies from Tesla, sort of uh, emailing it to themselves and then using that profile or those uh, templates. Uh, templates 
it, uh, inside of Rivian. So an, an identical approach to recruiting talent. And then consequently, a number of Tesla employees go over to Rivian. I think there's an actual number in this article. Yeah, to date, Tesla counted 178 ex-employees ex who have been hired by Rivian, roughly 70 of which joined Rivian directly from Tesla. So they didn't go somewhere else first. They went directly there. I mean, this is so difficult to govern. As far as intellectual property is concerned and what they can and can't bring in, as far as their experience is concerned, I understand the idea of downloading documents and Tesla has the other ongoing lawsuit with the Chinese brand uh, that we talked about on the show by the name of Xpeng, who they claim they took our autonomous driving tech on their way out the door. Uh, this is just such very difficult to govern. Tesla's gonna take a shot at it. We'll see how it all plays out. They got the court case going. But if you're going to lose 178 employees, I think it's impossible for your intellectual property not to move with them to some extent, at least in the form of their expertise and experience. Right. They're going to know how you operate. They're going to know a lot about you, but you can't really shut down their ability to move completely. Maybe you, they can work on some of the non-compete agreements they sign in advance. Like you can't go directly to these companies after working. I don't know what's possible, but they're trying to do something. They're trying to hurt them where it counts in their wallets to try to deter people from doing similar in the future. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Herman Miller, ex-Logitech gaming chair, will set you back $1,500. Actually, a few people sent this to me, and you were curious about it as well. I think a lot of people in the gaming sphere and in the tech segment might not be familiar with Herman Miller, but Herman Miller, big time furniture company for a really long time since the, what, 40s and 50s, mid-century modern stuff. They've been outfitting office spaces. One of the earliest players in the kind of ergonomic movement around workspaces, work environments. One of the early players in the open office experiment <laughs> that probably isn't looking too sharp in 2020 for a number of reasons. But they've been evolving, becoming more tech savvy as you should be as people work from home. They're spending more on their home office setups. The Embody chair has been their flagship for a long time. And they have now collaborated with Logitech to bring a more gamer-centric version of the Embody chair to market but with a similar price tag to what they've always had. And this has gotten people real pumped up. People spend a lot of time sitting in their chairs. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting on one right now. This is an uh, embody chair. This is a regular embody chair. It has this exoskeleton on the back. This is a live demonstration. Your spine wants to move. You're encouraged to move around, lean back from time to time. Now, this one is going to be a little bit different beyond just having the Logitech logo. Uh, apparently, it's copper-infused in the foam, so it's going to be a little more cool for long periods, for those long gaming sessions. But I can speak from experience. This particular chair, incredibly configurable. You can adjust every aspect of it. And I think, are they going to work on a desk as well? I think that's the next piece. All ergonomic. It's really cool. I hate traditional office furniture. You're hunched. It's hard to find a comfy position. We're spending more and more time, like I said, in these home office setups. Whether you're a streamer or just a person working on a computer, a programmer, a graphic designer, video editor, we're increasingly thinking about how important these devices are because that's really what they are. They're devices. Your desk, your, your chair, it's part of the experience. People got used to the idea of spending enormous amounts of money on their actual computer hardware, but then they kind of sat on that old stinking chair yes. and it didn't make a lot of sense. So yes, there's going to be some sticker shock with that price tag. People can say $1,500 on a chair. Leave me alone, Lou, you crazy maniac. Stop hurting my feelings. Mm. And they're right. They're absolutely right. I mean, you're going to have to figure out for yourself if there's any potential justification based on the number of hours that you spend there. But... If you, if you want some kind of early review here, I know this model is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it does pay off to a certain extent. You, you like to sit down in something that gives you some comfort. But you made an interesting observation. Gamers like a headrest. I don't, but a lot of gamers have a headrest, and they like to go all the way back at times, you know, go and even to almost a recline position. Yeah. And 
uh, they they just kind of repurposed the embody chair. Herman Miller, not such a big fan of the headrest, so that's something to to uh, to consider as well. Either way, I think it's cool that these things are merging and people are starting to think a little bit more about what type of furniture they're going to be utilizing for their new at home at desk lifestyle. Whether regardless of what they do for a living, mm. Coca Cola plans to cut zombie brands from its portfolio. I love that zombie brands. Doesn't that seem fun? Go through a little checklist. What are our zombie brands? They have some brands that just weren't performing that well, including a beverage called Odwalla, which I didn't even know about. But the reason this came up in my feed is because I was paying attention to the lack of inventory for a number of even slightly more popular but still niche brands under the Coca-Cola banner. Uh, because of the lockdown, the demand for canned beverages was skyrocketing and Coca-Cola had to make some tough decisions to keep some brands off the shelf right. uh, in order to prioritize its most popular brands. So you see like this bucket right here, you have Cherry Coke, Cane Sugar, Stevia Coke, Orange Vanilla Coke. I mean, they have a lot of products, not just Coca-Cola products, but Coca-Cola has Minute Maid and yes. they've recently started with the uh, carbonated water beverages as well, which has, has been a huge growth segment for them. So they've had to go through and actually eliminate the underperformers and prioritize and figure things out. Their revenue wasn't what they had hoped it was going to be. I don't know about you, Will, but I'm not drinking the type of soda I was drinking as a, as a youngster. Used to be a normal thing. You reach for a sugar drink. I don't really do it anymore. Even the Minute Maid, I'm not really buying. I am looking towards the carbonated beverages more often or even just water more yeah. often myself. Or tea. I like tea and coffee drinks. So mm -hmm. how, how they can adjust remains to be seen. But in the meantime, they're going to cut back on some of those uh, underperforming brands. They do have a play in the carbonated beverage space a new one called Topo Chico. <laughs> well, what do you think about that name? Topo or Topo? Topo Chico? I like, actually, yeah, Topo Chico. Not bad, not bad. It's a brand of sparkling mineral water, and bottled water has been a hot item. Nielsen data shows online sales of seltzer, tonic, and club soda climbing 61% year over year the week ending June 13th. So, I mean, it's a cool-looking bottle. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Actually, you know what, Coca-Cola, send us some Topo Chico and we'll throw it on the desk. We'll give it a try. We're looking for our official beverage sponsor at the moment. And I can tell you what I'm a fan of. The sparkling beverages, all the water beverages, the tea and coffee beverages is what I what I go for. You're the same or do you have any other requests? Tea and coffee. Yeah, tea and yeah. coffee. So anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll try out some Topo Chico if you can get it to us. But that's where they're putting their focus and probably rightfully so. Fabian Cousteau is raising $135 million to build the International Space Station of the Deep Sea. This is cool. I don't know if you're familiar. This uh, Who's that? famous undersea explorer by the name of Jacques Cousteau. Oh, yeah. You remember him? Yeah. He did the documentaries. Mm -hmm. Wore the little, the little tiny hat, the little toque on there. And the guy was always, he's always in the deep sea checking things out. Now, he had a dream and actually... Uh, executed on that dream at one point of an underwater kind of laboratory. Right. And he put one off the coast of France, but it was a small scale thing, sort of more in line with almost like an underwater vehicle or a submarine that was just stuck at the bottom. Hmm. I felt like his hat was smaller than that, but it's actually, it's a full on toque that he was wearing by the looks of it. Famous for that toque. And then, of course, it inspired all the characters that Wes Anderson went on to yes. in, the, in the films and whatnot. But uh, this guy's a legend, obviously, uh, a legend in biology, a legend in uh, content, really, too, because he was trying to get people excited about what's going on in the natural world. Yes. And, I, you know, I always appreciate that type of stuff. Well, anyways, Fabian Cousseau is his grandson, and he wants to keep the dream alive. And so he's trying to build, well, it sounds like he's going to build, this structure, 60 feet below the surface, off the coast of Curaçao, which is in the Caribbean. Kind of a nice climate over there. I don't know if you've ever been, Will. Yeah. you never been to the Caribbean anywhere? I, I have, yeah. yeah. Where'd you go? Uh, Cuba. You went to Cuba. What yeah. were you doing? You were in the sand, the nice white sand? What were you doing? A couple of times for my sister's wedding. Really? Mm-hmm. And did you have a cocktail or something like that? Oh, yeah. You did? The uh, They call it the Havana. 
Hmm. It's like a really delicious. Probably had rum in it and whatever oh, yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, lots of rum. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a crazy area down there. It's magical. Bahamas, Cuba, uh, even the Mayan uh, Riviera side of Mexico oh, yeah. is the same kind of thing with the white sand and all the rest of it. Anyways, uh, so he's going to be off the coast over there, and he's going to build a legit habitat, an actual beast of a habitat, 4,000 square feet, that people can, much like a space station, stay stationed there and potentially increase their studying capabilities and capacity because of the fact they can stay down for longer periods. Mm. Up until now, or without a structure like this, you're relying on your scuba equipment, and you could get rough. You know, you can't, you, you have limitations, some pretty severe limitations. You got to get back up to the top. I, it's very nerve, I, I don't know. I've never put on the scuba gear, but I can imagine. The tank is running out and you're investigating this really cool creature and you got to bounce and whatever else. Now, some people may say, well, why don't you just remove the creatures and then study them above, uh, outside the water? They actually change substantially when you do that. And one of the reasons that's important is because I read through the article and it turns out one of the reasons they want to study these creatures down there at the bottom of the water, they can have uh, some pretty key pharmaceutical developments based on some of the behaviors of these creatures down there. Hmm. So they want to investigate them for potential upcoming drugs that could cure all kinds of who knows what. And to pull the creatures out and study them elsewhere doesn't work because they change too much. So... They have to study the attributes of these creatures, how they deal with certain things uh -huh. in their environment. And uh, a building like this could actually allow for that. So that's where your investment comes from. The universities and all the rest. <laughs> Why are you spending all this money on this thing down? It can't just be for the textbooks. Uh -huh. No, because there could actually be some upside for some legit commercial enterprises as well. But they can study other things like, you know, uh, the climate and... Um, the creature creatures that may be uh, endangered and whatever else they can just monitor it's amazing how you know how big the ocean is will mm -hmm. it's in i mean and and we, as a, as a as citizens we like to walk around we like to talk we like to go have a coffee pretend that we're pretty decent we know a few things i mean what there's a lot we don't know yeah and it's not just up it's also down yes and that's basically where he's coming from, keeping the dream alive of uh, his his grandfather, Jacques Cousteau. So it's going to cost a few bucks, $135 million. He has investment from a couple of different universities. And uh, I think this thing's going to be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of studying things that are underwater, meet this guy right here. You know we like to finish the show on uh, something strange. Well, I believe this qualifies. That's the ultra black Vanta fish. You remember the Vanta black Vanta color? Black. Yeah. Well, this guy's almost as black as Vanta Black, and he's at the bottom of the ocean. And as you can tell, he's a pretty character. He's the type of guy you you wouldn't mind hanging out with. All those teeth over there, the uh, a glowing blue eyeball. Anyway, he's very black, and he use he uses this darkness to camouflage from any from anything really. It's a it's different than Vanta Black. It's less so the Vanta Black stuff is really complex and it's super fragile. As you recall, I think we were talking to them at one point. Well, I think we have some right here. Oh, we have actual <laughs> Vanta. On, let, let me, uh, oh man, no wonder you were so antsy over there. This is insane. Is this is look at what's happening? This is, a, this is a real life moment right here. Willie Do claims that we have Vanta Black sitting over there on the shelf, and he got so motivated to actually. Is this Vanta Black live on the show? This is insane. I didn't plan this, guys. So what do I do? I lift this off and... Yeah, they're just magnets. Oh, yeah, that's incredibly black. Now, I don't know how it's going to show up on video. Obviously, I'll try to... It doesn't... It soaks up everything. But the reason it's in this container is because it's very fragile. There's these little tubes in there that trap photons. It's all very complex, but researchers that found this particular fish realized that the way that it's making it's ultra black which isn't quite this black uh, could have potential uses uh outside of where vanta black wouldn't be applicable and i mean maybe who knows you could use this fish tech to have some vanta black t-shirt right now right on i mean i don't know if that's possible 
By contrast, human-made ultra-black materials use carbon nanotubes. This is probably exactly what this is. Tiny cylinders that trap photons, which are a pain to manufacture, you end up with a pretty fragile material, but incredibly black. Here, with this fish, we're basically seeing a random aggregation of nanoparticles producing something that's almost as black as the Vanta black. No special structural alignment that you need in theory if you can make the nanoparticles of the right size and shape then you could be able to coat anything with it so you might still get that vanta black vehicle that you're looking for they need Sweet. to extract the fish tech from the vanta black vanta fish ultra black 99.956 percent of light that hits them is absorbed cool very cool and they're all the way down to bottom. it's a crazy world down at the bottom of that ocean and like i said jacques cousteau he knew it his grandson Fabian knows it, and they're going looking for these type of dudes, and who knows what kind of mysteries and things they'll be able to solve looking down there. It's not just outer space. you got the ocean. It's like the inner space. Mm -hmm. Requires some exploration as well.